stats, booms, busts, sleepers. Listen to Adam and Vincent with Fantasy Pandemic on Monday and Thursday evenings via Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow them on Twitter at Fantasy Pandemic, at Fantasy Cajun, and at FF Little Finger. Welcome to another great, fantastic edition of the Fantasy Pandemic Podcast. I am your host, Adam Bryce, along with my co-host, Vincent Argrave. Uh, tonight, guys, we're going to be going through our uh, PPR rankings for wide receivers, 25 through 50. Um, looks good, but you know, the first thing, obviously, to talk about tonight is the, the big news with Brandon Cooks going to the Houston Texans for a second-round pick. Vincent, I'll let you kick that off. What is up, y'all? Yeah, Bill O'Brien is living my freaking dream life. Like, he's doing it poorly. I would do it better, but he lives in the real world, and he gets to live a job of fantasy football. Some trades are bad. His trades are all bad. You know, we'll see how it pans out. You know, it's just like fantasy. Your guy gets injured, all of a sudden you're a genius. But holy shit. Bill O'Brien, just I don't know if he's good with numbers. He's bad, bad enough football evaluator, but the contracts he's taken, it's awful. But from a fantasy perspective, in my personal opinion, it is a great trade for everybody involved, fantasy-wise, because it doesn't hurt golf. Because Cooks is, you know, gives you a little bit somewheres, but he does give some value to Deshaun Watson, some depth, at least some, you know, some veteran quality receivers until he gets concussed again for his sixth, you know, known time. Um, I think it's great for the Rams receivers um, just because it's one less legitimate mouth that like you contract have to feed. Gurley's gone, so I think you know my, you know, I'm all in on Cooper Cup. So first thing I thought of was that that Robert Woods I think is a, you know really underrated i think you know, he's about to come up really early in the rankings but um i think it helps Deshaun watson he has a lot of mediocre fast players with some pedigree to him um a lot of saints you know um car wash guys but between kenny stills and cooks uh fuller uh kiki cutie cobb what it fell whoever's healthy enough to show up i think i, I Deshaun. I, I know it's crazy but i think there's enough from the evaluation, like Deshaun Watson is going to move up in the rankings. I feel better about the options because at least I think there will be two receivers on the field now in a given week. Yeah, you know, I, I will give you that from a fantasy standpoint. It really helps out Cooks. I mean, to be honest with you, before this trade, I didn't even have Cooks in my top 50. That's where I thought about Cooks, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it looks good on paper for Houston just to get another receiver in there from a fantasy perspective. It certainly helps Watson. I, I totally agree that it definitely will uh, help Watson move up a little bit in the rankings. I mean, I, I barely had him in my top 12. Um, this definitely put him in the, in the top eight, but um, from an NFL perspective, um, I'm not sure what Bill O'Brien is doing. That's awful. why I was, I was laughing when I was uh, tossing it over to you because you, you basically gave up DeAndre Hopkins who's one of the best number one receivers in football for uh, Brandon Cooks, um, who's no better than a wide receiver, too, with a fat contract. I'm just not sure what Bill O'Brien is doing. But, hey, from a fantasy perspective, I think it look, does look good on both ends. Uh, no, you know, and from a football standpoint, too, the one thing, like, uh, you know, you and I were talking about, and we were uh, talking about making a trade in our fantasy league, and uh, it was for a wide receiver for another player. And I was going to receive the high-end wide receiver, and it was going to be a good trade for me, good trade for you. But the pieces didn't match up because the running backs I have versus the wide receivers I already have. And from a fantasy standpoint and a real-life standpoint, this is going to be probably a historic wide receiver draft. There is so much top-end, just high-caliber players to now you're giving up a second-round pick to eat that contract along with the David Johnson contract. Like, it just – like. I could argue the David Johnson one in a sense only because it's different types of pieces. Like you can, you know, you, it's a hamburger versus steak, but at least, you know, depending on, you know, it's a Friday night, maybe you just want a burger. Like you can make the David Johnson <laughs> argument, Yeah. but like now you like you traded away a guy that wanted to be air quotes overpaid for two guys that are overpaid. And it's just, you know, now I did see this too, from a Ram standpoint, they're going to have like 21 million dead money. It's the highest dead money trade ever, but, it gets him off the books going forward. Um, so they're not going to be able to do a whole lot this year. But, you know, the Rams being able to – the Rams cutting Gurley and trading Cooks 
Um, it's pretty impressive by uh, McVeigh over there to be able to move some of these pieces at all, but realize like we made a mistake and we're about to bite the bullet. Bill O'Brien just hasn't realized he's making mistakes yet. So it's a, uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, uh, I will try to adjust the rankings as we go. Like you said, you know, I didn't have cooks in my 50. Um, I know kind of where I'm going to stick him for the moment, but you know, we'll adjust as we go, but you know, the draft's going to change everything, especially at wide receiver um, because of the quarterbacks and the wide receivers that are coming in. I think there's going to be a lot of swings. So, um, but I am excited. You know, we did really good. I think with the second half running back uh, tiers, uh, just, you know, really trying to find some diamonds. And I think uh, we both have our favorites through here. And uh, just like yeah. running back, I think there's even more value at wide receiver, especially in PPR leagues, which makes sense, um, obviously, just because of the nature. But I, I do think there are a lot of good quality players in here. I definitely agree with you. And I will say this, two weeks from tonight, the NFL draft's first round will be going on. Uh, I am looking forward to that. Get some type of normalcy back in my life, to, you know, for something because literally, uh, I've actually been binge watching Game of Thrones every night for the past like three or four weeks. So that's kind of where my life. That's where my life is at right now, which is fine. It's it's Game of Thrones and the Fantasy Pandemic podcast. So that should anyways. be that should be everybody's life. I mean, come on, really? <laughs> I mean, that's what everybody should just do: live, breathe, eat, shit. Fantasy Pandemic. There you go. That's it, guys. Right there. You need to follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Pandemic. You can follow me at um, Fantasy Cajun. You can follow Vincent at FF Littlefinger. Uh, looking ahead and looking at our top 25 rankings, I'll go ahead and rattle off a couple names here. Um, number 25 immediately jumps off the page at me, uh, and that's Debo Samuel. Uh, you know, he was someone out of South Carolina who, you know, had great ball skills. He's you know, very, very quick with uh, the football. He's got great agility. He's very good in space. And I feel like he showed that in San Francisco last year. Um, you know, he really came on strong towards mid late in the uh, game of the season. Uh, you know, his last nine games, he averaged 6.2 targets a game. Um, you know, outside of Kittle, who is the number one option in the passing game, you know, I think Debo Samuel is going to be that number two. I think that's why. Uh, Shanahan and Garoppolo let Samuels go ahead and walk. And, you know, obviously Sanders signed at uh, San Francisco, but well, I mean, or New Orleans, but we'll get to that here in a minute. But Debo Samuel averaged 11.6 fantasy points in his last nine games. Uh, San Francisco also was finding a way to get him the football, not only through the air, but also on the ground because his last five games, he had nine carries for 122 yards and two touchdowns. That's really good numbers. And it shows to me that Shanahan is trying to get, uh, Debo Samuel involved not only through the air uh, but through the ground as well which tells me I think Debo Samuel could be one of those receivers who could push up uh, up into the top 15 with the right amount of usage yeah I uh and it's funny you know you, you can use it obviously as a plus for the carries you know but when you start talking about the points per game you know he had two touchdowns on the ground at you know the last two weeks last year so you know obviously that's part of his game you know he had three for the season um he's a talent they're going to get him involved but especially at the end of the year, you know, those two touchdowns, they were depleted at running back pretty bad at that point. They were trying to spell guys. So um, is that going to be part of the offense? You know, he had a carry in every game starting week 13. Um, you know, his targets were okay. I mean, and this is why he's in that second half of, you know, receivers. I have him at 31. Um, in a run first offense um, on a good team, when he's not the one number one pass catching option, I think that's where it holds him back. I'm a little bit more down on him only because I have some of that recency bias with, uh, you know, the, the the next golden child, whether it's Pettis or Goodwin or whomever's standing in San Francisco. And, you know, like they have a bad offseason and like all shit hits the fan. So um, I'm interested. I think he's going to be involved. I think he is the number one uh, wide receiver. Kittle's obviously going to be the target. The running backs are going to hold a whole lot of sway. Uh, the defense, I don't think, is going to be quite as good as it was last year. So that could be um, in their benefit. Uh, so it'll be interesting. I think, you know, I think if you get him at the right value, um, he has upside. I think, you know, uh, because of his role and his abilities, um, you know, he has a really, really high floor as well. Um, one thing that I will say that will boost him up that I meant to bring up before the start, uh, I was listening to somebody else earlier, and they made a great point which we don't exactly know because of the pandemic uh, what is going to happen with the start of the season. And a lot of these players that don't get that rapport, that don't get that training camp, um, 
these guys that have traded teams, quarterbacks that have traded teams. And when you start looking at it, 10 of my top 24 are either on a new team or have a new quarterback. And being able to build that rapport, um, you know, even, you know, people do it on the slide, but the other, what, uh, Mike Flores now calling teams out, or calling the commissioner out to call teams out because they're breaking, you know, the six feet social distancing stuff. They're kind of throwing balls and, you know, doing stuff that they would normally do in the offseason. But it's going to be a different type of thing. So those guys that already have a rapport, that Debo Garoppolo, I'm going to start when I reevaluate my rankings. I'm probably not going to be quite as high on some of the rookies and some of these guys that have to make some moves and have made moves. I'm probably going to side, you know, right now, Allen Robinson, Tyler Lockett or what and what. I'm going to move Lockett ahead of Allen Robinson because Foles is coming in, has to build a rapport. You know, Lockett and Wilson are freaking neck and neck, you know. So uh, just something to consider, too. So that's, you know, just going forward when I do reevaluate, that will be a benefit in Debo's. Um, I hope he can repeat. Um, I do think, obviously, I think some of those carries are going to come down because I think the running backs are going to be, you know, that's Shanahan's bread and butter. So, um, yeah, you know, that I'll tell you what, you know, that you make a good point about the pandemic and quarterbacks changing and players changing. I'm not going to. I'm not going to start making some immediate moves just quite yet. Maybe over the summer, if we're in July, and oh, we're right, still right, right. dealing with this. I think I think it'll be an issue at that point where I'll start moving receivers around, running backs around, just depending on you know who's changed what. Um, however, you know, looking uh, looking ahead up to 26, and this receiver didn't uh, didn't have a new quarterback, and that's Jarvis Landry, who. I thought I had a very good year with Baker Mayfield last year. I mean, Jarvis Landry finished in the top 24 for PPR. Um, you know, he, he was strong. He, he, he always catches the ball very well. Um, I'm not really super high on Baker just because I, I was super high on Baker last year and he really let me down. So I've, I've kind of got, uh, I guess, a little sour ass uh, when it comes to Baker Mayfield right now. But, you know, he certainly has the talent around him to, to do a good job. And Jarvis Landry is certainly more than capable to be a, a high-end you know, wide receiver, too, at the end of the day. Uh, at 27, I have Keenan Allen. And, you know, we've kind of talked about him. I'm a little lower on Keenan Allen than you are. Uh, we talked about him on the podcast. I'm not going to elaborate a whole lot on him. Uh, we talked about A.J. Green, who I've got at 28. And I will say, you kind of know it's Keenan Allen and A.J. Green kind of grouped up right here. It's almost like it's kind of the older guys and the receivers, and I almost feel like the older guys are, are starting to take a little step back uh, for some of these younger guys like, you know, Michael Gallup, Debo Samuel, you know, Cooper Cup, DJ Shark, receivers like that who, you know, have a little bit more playmaking ability, a little more speed these days than, you know, say Ken Allen who's coming in, you know, with a Tyrod Taylor and A.J. Green who's going to have, you know, a, a new quarterback in Joe Burrow more than likely. Uh, the same thing goes for Tyler Boyd who I have at 29. Uh, I thought Tyler Boyd had a, a pretty solid season last year. Um, he's going to have a new quarterback. A.J. Green's going to be healthy and playing. Where's Tyler Boyd going to fit in that mix? Is Tyler Boyd going to, you know, take that next step and the you know the wide receiver one for Cincinnati. I mean, what do you think about that? No, I, I think I think if AJ Green's on the field, AJ Green is the number one. But I think that only benefits Tyler Boyd. Um, you know, Tyler Boyd's numbers when AJ Green was on the field uh, two years ago, he was better, and then he became the number one, and he was safer. But he was also now drawing that coverage. He wasn't quite ready. I think he's ready to take that step. He's got the two extra years now. AJ Green comes back. And A.J. Green is still going to demand the number one. A.J. Green, AJ Green's a better talent than Tyler Boyd is. And it all goes back to if they can actually run a competent offense, keep the quarterback up, uh, they have too many weapons. They have too many weapons. A.J. Green's going to demand the coverage if he's on the field. Boyd's going to be uh, arguably outside of, you know, Godwin Edwin, Evans. He could be the best number two receiver. You know, I would put Tyler Boyd because of the presence of A.J. Green. I, I guess I wouldn't put him above um, Gallup or Ridley because they are in known systems with good quarterbacks, but he is that next tier of that second receiver, um, probably below Robert Woods as well for me. But um, I think that there's a lot of upside. I was a Tyler Boy guy. I happened to fall into him at the right time um, a couple years ago. And, uh, you know, he, he, he was good for me. And I think they have a big receiving core with a lot of options, and they will be difficult to defend in Cincinnati. And they're probably going to be chasing points. So I – yeah. 
yeah, you're right. They probably will be because that, that all that defense needs a lot of help. You know, speaking of Robert Woods, I have him. I actually have him right behind Tyler Board right now at 30. Um, with the Brandon Cook news, I was not able to update my rankings before we started this podcast, but I would probably sneak Robert Woods probably into my top 24 at this point. I, I don't, Vincent, where did you have Robert Woods? I have Robert Woods at 26, and uh, I, I, I was, uh, he was one of mine to, you know, come back to later. Only because I I feel like he gets undervalued a lot uh, because they diversify so much. But I think, you know, all my argument for my Cooper Cup love, it goes directly into Robert Woods, too. Um, they are going to be the two focal points of that offense. I think it's going to end up being running back by committee. Um, you know, I the tight ends, they have two, you know, competent ones with uh, Everett and uh, what is it, Hendricks or whomever. Um, yeah. So, you know, and both of them, when they were healthy, you weren't really sure who was going to get it. But I think it's going to be Cup, Cup and Woods. Um, and honestly, you know, Cup and Woods for me are going to be pushing, you know, they're going to be upper echelon running back, tan- I mean, uh, wide receiver tandems that are both going to perform week in and week out, especially in a PPR. I mean, what you're not losing is the volume. Cook being gone opens up more deep play opportunities for both of them. You know, I, Josh Reynolds is not the answer. Um, they don't have another guy really on that team that's going to demand any sort of targets. You know, they have, you know, competent pieces. But I, I, uh, I, Woods is going to move up into my top 24 for sure. He, he was regardless. Like I said, I have him at 26, so that's not a stretch. But, uh, you know, there's a couple of things, a couple of these guys, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, really after you and I talk, you know, we digest, we think I'm going to move some people down. Um, but somebody, you know, it, it's it's hard because you know I feel good about those top twenty four. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's a lot of names that I, I like in the top thirty six. Oh no, I mean this whole my whole tier five is twenty five <laughs> to thirty two, and I mean I'm freaking great with all of them. I mean some of these guys are guys that I'm super high on. So obviously, well, speaking of that, there's there's one guy who I, I'm curious about, and that's Julian Edelman. I've got Julian. I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit. I've got Julian Edelman at thirty nine. You've got him at twenty seven. Uh, I really think uh, Tom Brady leaving is really I, – I, I fully believe the tank is on in New England. I think Julian Edelman is going to take a, a big step back, regardless of whoever the quarterback is, whether it's Brian Hoyer or uh, Jared Stidham. I just don't think Edelman is going to have that type of season that he's accustomed to have with Tom Brady. He's. I'm not sure someone's going to just continue to pepper him as much as they do. Uh, I, I just don't see – uh, that that high of a ceiling for Edelman this year? No, I I I I think that's why he's 27 in my rankings because I don't think there is a ceiling, but I think he's still going to have one of the highest floors. Um, him and James White, I do think are going to get peppered because depending on who it is, you have like the opposite ends of the pendulum with Brian Hoyer. Okay, a veteran guy, you know, he probably should not be a starter, but he's going to be a, a air quotes competent, you know, pro quarterback run the offense, but he, they're not going to be taking deep shots. They're going to try to run quick passes and they don't have a tight end to do that. So the short, you know, it's going to be a, a running back, which is James White, or it's going to be Edelman close to the line of scrimmage and where Edelman plays and how Edelman plays. It's not like he's going to draw some giant number one corner, you know, still it's going to be Sanu or Myers or Keneal, you know, somebody's going to draw based off of ability, a number one corner. It's going to be wasted and it won't matter because they probably are still going to be able to handle it. But I think that he's still going to be a PPR guy if he doesn't get hurt. Uh, and the, you know, the other end of the pendulum, if it's Stidham, you know, what's the you know rookie best quarter, uh, rookie's best friends, or you know, young guys' best friends are usually that tight end, that safety net. Well, Edelman is the safety net. You know, he's you know, it's I feel okay with it um, where I have him at twenty-seven because who else other than him and James White do you even consider owning for the Patriots? Well, I mean, obviously maybe Sonny Michelle in a uh, middle to late round setting. But, uh, you know, part of me is I think defenses are not going to give the Patriots the respect they did when Tom Brady uh, was under the helm. And I think that's going to be part of the issue for the Patriots trying to move the football because teams aren't going to be playing back, uh, you know, against Jared Stidham and and Brian Hoyer. They're not going to respect the long ball. They're not going to respect any receivers outside of Julian Edelman. Maybe Muhammad Sanu, but I think 
I think bringing the defense in a little bit like that is going to really impact how Edelman and James White perform on the field. And even from a fantasy perspective, I'm just a little concerned about that offense without Tom. Oh, I agree, but I, I think Edelman can <laughs> he could get eight catches a game, maybe only for 50 yards, but he's still giving you 13 points. And if he scores, he's pushing 20. Yeah. I mean, it's he doesn't have to do anything to pay off his, his draft value for me, his ranking. So unless until they change something, which if they get a real – like, for example, if Andy Dalton ends up there, um, I think he moves up because you have a quarterback that is better than what they have and can deliver the football. If, you know, somebody – And if agree Cam goes there, it almost, I think, is a detriment because I don't know if Cam could hit freaking, you know, his center with a football. So, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's all speculation. <clears throat> I just – I feel safe with the floor. I feel safe with – I know it's his track record with Brady, but his routes – and here's the thing. They can dink and dunk to Edelman the whole fucking game that's not going to beat the other team. So I agree that they're not going to show them the respect, but part of not having that respect is, is Julian Edelman really going to beat us? Like, you know, it's just let him catch his little, let him catch all of his balls and they're going to punt. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, we, we have a long way to go and it'll be curious to see what happens in the draft. You know, do the Patriots address quarterback? I mean, could Bill Belichick surprise us all and trade it for a quarterback? I mean, who knows? Uh, Vincent, who else you got over there, you know, uh, starting in your top 25? Uh, your 25 yeah, so we talked about uh, – I got Ridley at 25. We talked about in depth last week. We just talked about Robert Woods. You know, I feel good about him. I feel really good, especially about this fifth tier of mine and some moving around. Um, Edelman, then Gallup. Uh, we talked about Gallup a pretty good bit as you're 24. You know, I'm 28, so we're not far off. Um, uh, he's one of those that – I, I may move Gallup a little bit. Well, you know what? I don't really have anybody I can – I feel comfortable moving above him right now. So, the offense is going to keep him. So, my first new name at 29 and then 30, um, somewhat similar, but it's uh, Terry McLaurin and then DK Metcalf. Um, I think McLaurin may be you – know, if Geis gets hurt again, McLaurin will be the only fantasy-ownable fantasy option in Washington. There will not be another person – too freaking known. Any name that you almost could lie to yourself, whether it was Crowder or Jordan Reed, I don't think Adrian Peterson is going to be viable. They got too many freaking people in there. Ron Rivera's, if Geis is gone, I don't think Peterson is just, there's not going to be enough quality offense there. And depending on who the quarterback is, if it's going to be Haskins especially, I don't feel good about it at all. Um, I think McLaurin, I think McLaurin may be an amazing receiver. And only because of the numbers he put up on that team. Now, I've said it before, like having a bad wide receiver, having a bad team's number one wide receiver can be very beneficial because garbage time points count. Ask Blake Bortles, you know. Um, you know, you can win championships scoring points in the fourth quarter. So, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with McLaurin there. I think the volume's going to be there. He's the talent as long as everything from his injury, you know, heals and he comes back. Um, and the DK Metcalf, uh, he's there because Russell Wilson's his quarterback. He's a physical freak. He's going to be a touchdown threat. I do think DK, he may be one of those that kind of slide down a little bit for me because I have Debo right below him. Um, so I could definitely see myself moving Metcalf to the bottom of this because of, um, you know, how they use the tight ends. But I'm really interested in how the running backs come back because if they don't bring in a running back and they're going with Chris Carson and Penny again, um, another year banged up, a whole lot of carries under their belts. Um, I think it's good. I think there could be a shift this year to more a little just and just a little bit more Russell Wilson is huge value because other than maybe Drew Brees, he is the absolute most efficient quarterback in the NFL and him and Lockett feed off of that. Um, they brought in more weapons for Russell, so I'm really high on him. But DK's a big guy. He's a touchdown threat. Um, I think Olsen's probably going to snake up. Didn't Olsen go over there now? Yeah, Olsen did so go Olsen's over there. Gonna, I don't, you know, standalone value won't particularly matter between him and Disley and whatever other random tight end of the week they have left standing. Um, there's going to be touchdowns for those guys, but uh, DK showed a lot in his rookie season. McLaurin showed a lot in his rookie season. So, you know, it's, you know, you hope you don't have that sophomore slump, um, you know, tapes out, but uh, McLaurin has the benefit of having Lockett to offset and he's going to get the cover guy depending on how the body type is, you know, you got a fast guy, you got a big guy, you obviously know who you're going to line him up against, whether you're covering Lockett or McLaurin, I mean, uh, uh, Lockett or Metcalf, Metcalf. but, uh, yeah. you know, McLaurin's the guy right now. So, yeah, I, I tell you what, you know, it's kind of interesting. You know, you and I have a little bit difference of opinion on DK Metcalf 
I remember watching DK Metcalf at Ole Miss, man, and I thought he was, you know, a great talent. I mean, he's huge. I mean, he's 6'4", 230, and I, he always presented a challenge for LSU. You know, LSU's known as DBU, and I always thought he presented a, a pretty big challenge at LSU, and he, he got the better of LSU quite a good bit. Um, you know, he did suffer a horrific injury at Ole Miss, uh, one where we were not sure if he was going to be able to play football again. Thankfully, you know, he came back. And then last year, you know, I was not uh, an owner of DK Metcalf last year. Um, I did see, you know, some of his highlights and some of his stats. And, you know, I was kind of impressed with him. And I remember him and Ole Miss being a dominant receiver. And, you know, you're dominating some of the best cornerbacks in the college football at LSU. Uh, you're probably going to do pretty well in the NFL. And I mean, honestly, when I looked at his stats today and kind of broke them down, I was, I was really surprised that, you know, believe it or not, he actually got 100 targets last year. He had 58 receptions, 900 yards, and seven touchdowns. You know, I feel like he can probably take the next step. You know, he's that big receiver that Seattle has really always lacked. You know, Doug Baldwin wasn't that big. Tyler Lockett's not that big. Russell Wilson has really never had a big-bodied wide receiver like this, someone who can go up and get the football and can dominate another corner on the other side. Um, I think DK Metcalf can take that next step. I think he's a great uh, high high floor touchdown guy this year. Um, he could very well score over ten touchdowns this year. And I, I think he can take that next step. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And uh, you know, I think uh, I think the volume in Tyler Lockett's presence are, and I mean the scheme itself, which is indicative because of the volume. That's what holds him back. That's why he's here. You know, if something were to like, if the running backs go down. Um, and they or a scheme changes or the defense gets significantly worse and they are forced and Russell Wilson's asked for more responsibility. So if they cut them loose, that offense could explode from a passing standpoint. Um, after DK, I have Debo. We talked about him. And then at 32, I have uh, Hollywood. And this is one of our bigger discrepancies. You have Hollywood down to 41. Um, similar to everything you said about DK, uh, DK was much more consistent and he has a much, much more consistent passer um, but Hollywood is the number one in Baltimore um, outside of Andrews. But they, he's going to be similar to that Debo with a little bit less accurate quarterback. But that running threat, they will never be able to key on those receivers. And they're already talking about bringing a third wide receiver. Um, I've said before, I'm a, I'm a believer in this young core taking steps. I think Hollywood taking a step. I think Boykin taking a step. Andrews taking a step. Lamar continue to take a step. And the way they got beat last year, you know, it's it, it you don't it's that Super Bowl hangover is tough. You know, the Falcons have been suffering for two years from it. So it's that that having that early beat and really underachieving, I think that like sharpens the blades. Like I think you immediately get back to work. You don't let that lie. You don't get pouty and depressed. Like you know, once you get to the pinnacle, it's just exhausting having that extra few weeks and just just being able to watch it. Like I think those guys are going to come in even better. Um, you know, they have a whole offseason together, and they're breaking social distancing rules. You know, him and Antonio Brown and uh, Lamar Jackson are all throwing right now. So I'm a, I, I'm a Hollywood guy. I tried to make – I didn't end up with him. I, I went with Boykin uh, in our dynasty draft. And, you know, I've tried to trade for him a couple times. He's a huge – he is the big play guy. He's a huge big play guy. He's a, a healthy Will Fuller. He's the uh, – there are going to be weeks he's probably going to ghost you because Baltimore is going to beat the shit out of somebody. They're going to run it 40 times, and you're not going to have that, which is why that ranking is down that, where he is. But I think he can be a weak winner. And I think at 32, you know, he's in that wide receiver three category. And if I have quality and consistency, so if I get my dream, you know, I'm Cooper Cup and say I get somebody like, you know, Lockett or Allen Robinson, you know, I'm going to get some week-to-week type of guys. Like, I want that in my wide receiver three. I want to freaking go for the fences because he is the guy with huge upside every week. And if they get in, if that's that floor, we've seen the ceiling already. If the floor keeps scooting up, uh, he's just going to get better and better and better. And it's, you know, it's dependent on Lamar Jackson, but I'm a believer in Jackson. I think he did improve um, last year. And I think there's still exponential room for improvement. So I'm really excited about Baltimore's pieces. Yeah, I mean, they, they have a lot of talent. I, I'm just like, like you said, you know, I, I felt like last year he was kind of boomer bust. 
And maybe I'm just not a big believer um, in that passing offense outside of like, you know, someone like Mark Andrews, who I, I do think is going to be taking the next step. You know, we'll be talking about our tight end rankings here next week. And I've got Mark Andrews ranked number three as my tight spoiler, end. Overall. Spoiler, spoiler so, warning. I, I definitely <laughs> believe in him. Hey, there it is. But I do believe in Mark Andrews. I'm not as high on Mark uh, on Hollywood as you are. Uh, I know he had some big plays and, you know, maybe he does take that next step next year. Um, you know, I just feel like there's some other guys I think, you know, who have better opportunities that are in front of them. Someone like, you know, an Emmanuel Sanders, um, who I have at 34. I've also got Will Fuller at 33. Um, I think both of these guys, you know, are if they can stay healthy, certainly for Fuller, if he can stay healthy, you know, he's always a big play threat waiting to happen with Deshaun Watson. He's shown that time and time again. Will Fuller's always biggest question is can he stay healthy? Um, you know, we'll see what happens. Now here comes Brandon Cooks, who's also a big play threat. Uh, you wonder, you know, what's going to happen with you – know, you'll have two big play threats. You, you don't have DeAndre Hopkins going across the middle anymore. So someone's going to have to start going across a little, the middle a little bit. We'll see what happens. I mean, that's two injury risk, you know, at receiver as well. Um, going to Emmanuel Sanders, you know, he gets a change of San Marino going from San Francisco and Jimmy Garoppolo to uh, a high-powered passing offense. Uh, and Drew Brees in the New Orleans Saints. And then, you know, Michael Thomas, who has been a, a lock for 120 catches the past two seasons, seems like another lock this season for 120 catches. But now you bring in Emmanuel Sanders. And, you know, since Michael Thomas has been in New Orleans, he really hasn't had that big threat across from him. But now they've got someone like Emmanuel Sanders who is extremely quick and he catches everything that is thrown his way. Um, I feel like if Drew Brees can develop a rapport with him, if he has a chance to practice and go through some training camps and mini camps um, outside of the pandemic, I, I really think uh, Sanders can certainly benefit. I've got him ranked as a low end wide receiver three, um, but he could certainly gobble, gobble up some targets in, in that New Orleans offense because let's be honest, Drew Brees has been desperate looking for a wide receiver, a second wide receiver outside of Michael Thomas for a couple seasons. No, I, I, I love the, this is one of those that's, a great football move, um, and, and they're they're going to be fantasy implications. I do think it helps Breeze. I think they're just there are too many mouths. Um, I mean, you're not like you know, it's not like you're saying he's going to go off by any stretch. I you know I'm lower on than you are um, by a little bit. I, I just uh, Drew Breeze has never had a number two receiver. Now, is that the number two receiver's fault or is that Drew Breeze's fault? Um, so we're going to find out this year. But Jared Cook. Uh, does have a rapport. He he does fit a purpose. He does have a role, and they're going to scheme him into good situations. Obviously, Kamara is, I think, going to absorb a lot more than he did last year, touch-wise, because he's going to be healthy at least to start the year. Um, I've been a big Sanders guy. I've uh, Sanders has been one of those guys for me that, you know, when you look at that, you know, he's a number two receiver on the team, you know, Demarius Sanders, I always, like, lean towards Sanders because of the value you can get later. Um and I've always been a big Sanders guy. To exactly. And I, I've, so I don't want to besmirch my, you know, relationship history with him. However, you know, <laughs> we've gone older, we moved in different directions. He's probably in out, you know, outside of Peyton, he's in his best, best situation. Um, and as a veteran, can he thrive there? Sure. Is he going to thrive enough? Um, I don't, I don't see the, here, here's why I have Marquise Brown higher. I, the week in and week out, there's no doubt to me that Brown has huge upside compared to somebody like Sanders. And like I, my Sanders is Sterling Shepard, you know, you know, he, he probably is going to be the one a, even though he's not the big wide receiver, but he's the volume guy, the PPR guy. You talked about Jarvis Jarvis to me is, you know, a better Sanders, even with Baker, um, which obviously you're higher on Jarvis than, you know, even I am. But, you know, I have Shep and um, Landry at 33-34, Sanders down at 42. And I just feel like, you know, if you're the number two receiver, I, it helps to have seen it. Um, and it helps when there aren't so many other pieces and so many other places. And Drew Brees is great about diversifying to everybody but Michael Thomas. It's like Michael Thomas is here's your 15 targets and everybody else we have to split up the other, you know, 20 if we're lucky. You know, Breeze throws it 35 times. Hopefully they're not beating the crap out of somebody. So it's a uh, – I agree from a football standpoint. I hope that, you know, as a you know Louisiana native, I hope that that is the result because I, I, I do think it makes the offense 
even that much harder to defend. I'm not jumping in the pool yet that it's going to show fantasy dividends for Sanders. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll see what happens. You know, he just reminds me of someone who I think is kind of has always been really consistent when he's on the football field. You know, he can put up 10, 15 points pretty easily in a game. And he just, I just feel like he's Mr. Consistency. And I'm not sure it's Drew Brees' entire fault that he's there. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not saying, no, we, we talked about the other day, and it's not, I'm not saying oh, it yeah. is. And it's usually because there, I mean, it's obviously because there has not been another person that either mentally or physically or whatever reason, whatever holds them back. You know, I don't imagine this is the most vanilla system in the world. Um, you know, you have to be where you have to be. And if you're not there, Breeze isn't going to hit you. So I, Sanders is a true professional wide receiver. You know, you don't hear a whole lot of shit about him. He does his job. He runs his route. He's very clean. Um, so like I said, I, I hope I'm wrong, but you know, Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders on paper, you're like, holy shit, that is a great one-two punch. But like these other one-twos we talk, I'll take Cooper Cup and, you know, Woods to even make up some of that difference that I think Michael Thomas is going to put up. I just, as a number two guy, the number two guy on, you know, you know, the Gallops, the Ridley and stuff like that. And that's where, you know, I'll go into some of these, you know, 1A type of guys, you know, the Sterling Shepherds, the Jarvis Landrys, which, you know, you do as well. Um, but like I, for example, the next guy on my list is John Brown. Um, same type of situation. I think John Brown is going to really benefit from Diggs being there. Um, I think John Brown saw all the covers last year. And I think John Brown just is going to be able to do what he does best and still be able to exploit, uh, week in and week out opportunity because Diggs can do all the route stuff just a little bit slower. It opens up the whole field now for, uh, for John they're going to have a true running game. That's not going to have a true ball. Ca- you know, it's not like McCoy from a couple of years ago, you know, check downs Knox maybe takes a step, but he's not going to be a fantasy immediate contributor. I don't expect um, they're going to be a run first team with a good defense, but John Brown needs one to like really put you in that next step. You know, I think he's going to push wide receiver two status. Um, and, you know, it, it, it as a PPR guy, can I see Sanders, you know, maybe flirting with that because of the volume? Yes. Uh, I just, I, you know, some guys, you know, I go, it's kind of the same guy between John Brown. Well, then I had Fuller and Stills. Uh, like you said, we haven't changed our rankings yet. Uh, kind of see how the smoke settles, but it's almost like how I cheated with the Rams running backs the other day. Like, I don't really know yet. I kind of have Fuller and Kenny Stills and Cooks all together. I'm like, I'll take the one that's playing this week, the one that doesn't have an ankle injury and the one that's not concussed and the one that's, you know, not kneeling. So that's kind of where I don't know what to do with the Houston Texans at this point. But, you know, you have all three, all five of those guys, Cooks, Fuller, Still, John Brown, um, you know, those deep ball. Kiki, yeah. Well, Kiki, now Kiki to me, I don't have him ranked. Um, and I was a Kiki guy going into last year, and I got suckered into it. I'm really interested in Kiki in the sense that Kenny Stills, uh, Kenny Stills is a good wide receiver. Uh, is a good wide receiver, maybe with a little less limited route tree, regardless of the pedigree. And Will Fuller is a good wide receiver with a limited route tree as well. But those three guys can freaking move. Somebody's going to be across that middle, whether it's Fells, David Johnson, or Kiki. And I'm high on Kiki as a player, I think, and what he should be in the scheme. But everything that's coming out from all the trades and all the gossip, like if Bill O'Brien doesn't like you, he doesn't fucking play you. And apparently – you know, Kiki said something wrong or stepped out of line or, you know, asked for extra lunch or something, and they held it against him. If you start looking at uh, some of the ex-players' quotes and stuff, and you know, that's somebody specifically brought him up and said Kiki was the guy that's going to break out. Bill freaking sat him because he got upset. So we're going to see. I don't, you know, I, like I said, I'm really high on Watson. And if you find the receiver that takes the significant percentage of Hopkins' targets, you're going to have a wide receiver too. I don't know if we have any idea who it is out of the three of them. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Bill O'Brien's a, is a nut job. <clears throat> that wouldn't surprise me one bit if that, if most of that was true. I mean, Kiki Kuti, I think does have the talent <clears throat> and you are right. I mean, somebody is going to be open across that middle, whether it's Daniel Fells or Kiki Kuti. So you never know. That's definitely a situation to keep an eye on. Uh, moving on. Yeah. I was looking at, uh, Going to mine, yeah, I've got two two New York Giant wide receivers, kind of similar to what you have at Fuller and Stills. I've got uh, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton ranked at 35 and 36. 
you know, uh, these guys, uh, Sterling Shepard's kind of been there for a little bit. He, he's had some injury problems. Um, when he's on the field, he plays well. <clears throat> now, Darius Slayton was basically someone who was unheard of until, you know, going into training camp last year. When uh, he started building the rapport with Daniel Jones, you heard some, you heard some, uh, some whispers through some of the beat writers talking about, you know, Darius Slayton and Daniel Jones building the rapport. And then, you know, late in the season, Daniel Jones <clears throat> comes in for Eli Manning. Darius Slayton kind of starts hopping on board, and you know, they started developing a really good rapport on the field. Uh, the last seven games, you know, Darius Slayton had 53 targets, 31 receptions, 467 yards, and five touchdowns. I mean, that was good for 15.38 points per game. That's pretty solid for a receiver that you probably picked up off the waiver wire, you know, around week seven, week eight. Um, you know, he put 15 points up a game. That, that's that's pretty solid. It would not sh- surprise me if Darius Slayton was the number one receiver at the end of the 2020 season for the New York Giants. I worry about Sterling Shepard and his health. I think he's a good receiver, um, but I, I just – I am concerned. But I just think Darius Slayton has a better rapport with Daniel Jones, and I think that's going to show coming up in the 2020 no, season. I, and I don't disagree with anything you just said. I think, um, you know, I Slayton – Shepard has the safety appeal because I do think he has a pedigree, and I think he did thrive when OBJ was there. And if Slayton can be a prototypical type – true number one big wide receiver along with what they have to do to defend Saquon along with what they have to do with Evan Ingram, I, you run out of people to cover um, or capable of covering. So I think Sterling has that high, high, high floor, but I'm, I'm, I'm very high on Slayton. I did end up owning Slayton um, at the end of last year. And uh, yeah, I think that because of the rapport and obviously he shows he has the talent, and part of it was he was one of the last guys standing. But when that Giants offense, if the line can block and they are put out on the field, they have as many pieces as almost any team in the league. So, and I, you know, if that defense doesn't show up, which nobody really expects it to this year, they're going to have to make up for a lot of it. So I think there are going to be a lot of points to be had from a lot of Giants players. GTP. <laughs> and I don't know, uh, you know, when you look at that division, I mean, they got to go, you know, the Cowboys twice. Well, you know they're going to have to score. The Eagles are going to be a barn burn, but, the, you know, the, the problem is the Eagles, the Eagles have started boosting their secondary, but still it's probably not going to be enough to where they're going to shut down because, again, they got to stop Saquon. So, you know, I have Slayton at 39. You got him at 36. So we're right there on top of each other. Um, you know, I feel, I, I feel good, especially if your boy uh, Daniel Jones can keep it going and keep building on it. Um, yeah, I, I tell you what, though, um, this next guy on my list at 37, I, I'm I'm interested to hear your opinion after I talk about him, and that's Jamison Crowder. I've got him at 37. You've got him at 44. I know you're high on Sam Darnold, but I've always been a Jamison Crowder fan. I know he, he never had those consistent years in Washington, but he seems like he's got a pretty good rapport with Sam Darnold, and last year he really showed that. I mean, he had 122 targets, 78 receptions, 833 yards, and six touchdowns. I mean, that, that's a pretty good uh, rapport with someone who's, you know, was suspended for, you know, a few games – or not suspended, but he was out with Mono for a few games because he's kissing some chicks at, the, at a bar or something, which I guess that's what, you know, young quarterbacks do these days. You know, get out in the bar and, and kiss, chick, kiss random chicks, so you get Mono. So, hey, guess what? You're out a few games. But Jameson Crowder, I thought, really looked good with uh, Sam Darnold. And then, you know, you've got Robbie Anderson and Demarius Thomas leaving – in comes Brashad Perriman, but, you know, that's 154 vacated targets between Robbie Anderson and Demarius Thomas walking out the door. Um, I don't think all those targets are going to go to Brashad Perriman, uh, maybe 100, but I think there's more targets to be had. And I think Jamison Crowder could be one of those receivers who maybe pushes for a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three, because if he stays on the field and stays healthy, I think the Jets are going to be playing from behind a lot. I know Adam Gaze is, is a whack job. But they seem to be throwing the football a lot with Sam Darnold. They were playing from behind a lot. That'll probably be the case again this year. And I think Jameson Crowder could end up with somewhere around 140 targets, if not more, if he can stay healthy. So on I have the three field. guys that are highlighted on my list that are my old, not sexy, but maybe uh, win you leagues because it's your number two, number well, number three receiver, uh, maybe your flex. And it was Kenny Stills, who I didn't bring up, obviously, in that regard because the Cooks trade, I think, completely – changes that you know just that whatever upside there was 
Um, you know, I, that doesn't exist anymore. They're going to have like three, four, number two receivers. But the other two I have highlighted that I probably have too low in my ranks are Crowder and Marvin Jones. Um, so I have Crowder at 44. I, so I am very much in your camp. Um, you know, we, we reevaluated our rankings, you know, the last week, and we've kind of talked a little bit back and forth and, um, you know, seeing how we, you know, they were on episode eight or whatever of our podcast. I didn't uh, deep dive into them yet, you know, with the draft coming up. Um, but he's one of those guys that I highlighted to make sure that when I come back and look at these, like I reevaluate that because the one thing Adam Gase, the fantasy serial killer does is he feeds slot receivers. You know, he is so innovative. He throws it to the closest guy to the line of scrimmage all the time, other than running backs. So Crowder has that Jarvis Landry role in Adam Gase's offense. And if he can stay on the field, which some of my ranking is that, you know, Jamison Crowder is the Chris Thompson of running backs. You know, not, they were both at Washington and they both just <laughs> freaking just disappear like into dust, you know, Thanos snaps and they get concussed. So it's, uh, I, I, I in a PPR, I, it is, I, I did a disservice by having him as low as I did. Um, I probably will move Crowder all the way up to right before, right behind my Jarvis. So Crowder probably go up to 35 for me. Um, and you have him at 37. So we're, we are of a like mind. Um, I have, you know, he's old, he's not sexy, but he could be a real building block, especially for where you're going to get him, um, for building a team. He's, he's a poor man's Edelman. And, you know, the way I look at Edelman, I think you kind of described how Crowder could be. And I just, he's going to be that volume PPR guy. You don't expect a lot of touchdowns. But Gase hates Le'Veon Bell and won't throw running backs to football. And, you know, Brashard Perriman's my 50th receiver. Um, you have him 48th. So we do think, obviously, there's going to be a role there. Uh, I think that he earned himself some money definitely at the end of last season. He probably can run a few more routes even than Robbie Anderson. Uh, but ultimately, it's still the Jets and Adam Gase. And if I'm going to own a Jet, unless Le'Veon just really, really starts falling in drafts, Crowder's probably going to be the guy. Yeah. Speaking of Bashad Perriman, he he won some people's fantasy championships last I'd year. I lost if you a lot of money on late. that bet. He was it, on it was, the it was fire. ridiculous. And it's uh <laughs> it, it and it's one that's one of those things, you know, part of we ranked the Godwin and the Mike Evans up there because of, you know, what that offense can be and it's funny, you know, we talk about what Tom Brady brings to the table. Well, Jameis brought a lot of fantasy points for a lot of people. So it's interesting to see how it works out. And, you know, <laughs> Jameis lost a job and made Versailles Perriman a lot of money. So it's, uh, you know, like I said, you got him at 48, you got him 50. He's a dart throw. You know, when you get down there for me, you know, for these, you know, you get down towards 50, that's where, you know, uh, there's the low, there's the, a little, uh, a safe floor, but not a whole lot of ceiling, I think. Uh, Perriman's the opposite. His floor could be freaking zero. He could turn into Brashad Perriman again. And <laughs> but <laughs> what you say, 150 targets are vacated. So 154 you know, so, targets. Herndon you know, yeah. healthy is going to eat up a couple of that until he gets a DUI <clears throat> or punches a bartender. And there, there just there aren't enough options. And Crowder can only, you know, let's say Crowder freaking skyrockets in 140, you know, five yard targets. There's still you know a ton left on the table. You would hope they'd go to Le'Veon. Yeah. They won't because Adam Gase is what he is. Um, so I, I, th- I, they got to go to somebody. Don't no, say Quincy and good. So again, it's just you know some of these guys you, you would love to support them. I, I will say this: there is a I'm going to do a list of guys that you start when they play. Like Will Fuller is the king of that list. Quincy and New one's on it because that some bitch scores points the three <laughs> games he gets to start. I mean, it's just, it's uncanny. You're like, okay, waiver wire. Is it worth who I'm going to drop to pick that guy up? So, you know, at some point we're going to do that list of guys you start if they play. And, you know, it's, uh, you go pick them yeah. up. That, that, that's a good topic to have uh, for a future podcast. What the, what the so I know you're a big, I know you're a big, um, you know, you support Teddy. You're a big Joe Brady guy. I have Robbie Anderson at 38. You have Robbie Anderson at 45. Um, I think Robbie offers a little bit more consistent element to what Curtis Samuel does. And I think because, you know, similar to what Slayton and Shepard are going to benefit because of Saquon, everybody is going to benefit because of Christian McCaffrey. Um, 
I have him down here because if he probably would have gone anywhere else or if a different quarterback would have gone to Carolina, I think Robbie Anderson would be much higher. Like, if Robbie Anderson went to Green Bay instead of Funches, holy, sh- holy shit. Oh, yeah. Sign me. Like, how, how, where can I put him in the rankings? Because that is a – He would be a top 30 receiver, in my opinion, if right. he was playing but I, I think that they paid him. The coaching staff brought him in. And I think, you know, you inherit number one receivers. I think DJ Moore, like I said, I think he has that upside, you know. But uh, Wright and Samuel, who all the way – by the way, they were like 10, 11, and 12 between them and DJ Moore. So, like, my guy catches the ball. I'm like, wait, who is that? I can't – oh, God, I see a one. And, you know, at least Robbie Anderson will, you know, di- differentiate himself from that. So, I do think that uh, in an offense, again, in the division that's going to have to score a lot of points and on an awful defense. You want to talk about a rebuilding year? They are going to be awful on defense, and you hope that they freaking throw it all over the pace. I think Robbie, um, you know, it's it, he's one of those feast or famine guys. He falls into that Stills, Fuller, John Brown uh, mentality. But I, you know, I just I think that there's a ton of opportunity and upside, and I know Christian McCaffrey is going to absorb a lot of it. Um, but I think Ron Rivera also knew he was, you know, fighting for his job. I don't think you run – I don't – your best chance to win games is to use Christian McCaffrey, right? But your best chance to win games and keep your job is to keep Christian McCaffrey healthy too. And I don't know if he can go through another freaking beating and season like he did this year. Um, so I think they're going to – they are going to diversify. I think that's a big, big uh, strategy of Brady, you know, coming from that Sean Payton mindset. We just talked about the whole time, like, who the hell are they, Michael Thomas? Well, then if it's McCaffrey and DJ – there's a lot of people with – there's a lot of opportunity for touches, and Robbie is probably the next biggest name, you know, as Ian Thomas or Curtis Samuel. So I, I think there's a lot of benefit there. I think there's a lot of upside. You know, I'm definitely glass half full on him, but I do realize the glass is only half full. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens on that offense. I mean, Robbie Anderson, I mean, the, I guess the biggest question for me, Robbie Anderson, is he going to show up before November? I, I think that's the biggest question mark I have for Robbie Anderson. No, it, it's, you know, but by hook or by crook, you know, sometimes a change of scenery just it makes all the difference in the world. And I think he's paid – I think there's something – there's different about being wanted by somebody. And, you know, we talk about Gase. You know, if he doesn't want you, you're not his guy – it doesn't matter. Like, I think he's a Jets guy, but that doesn't matter if you're not the coach's guy. They brought him in. They see a role for him. You know, if it's yeah, – it's not going to be a Justin Jefferson role, but it could be that the Justin Jefferson role is more like DJ Moore and he gets a little more feed. But then all of a sudden, if, if he turns into Terrence Marshall, everybody's going to be okay with that as far as, you know, that type of, you know, route tree and the what big play opportunity that he gets. So – I really think that there's a uh, – I'm right now I'm a believer in the offense and I'm a believer in that defense sucking. So that's a, that's a perfect storm. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. It'll be interesting to see what happens over there. Uh, there there's one another guy I want to pinpoint, and that's uh, – I have him at number 46. You've actually got him at number 45, so we're kind of right on target. That's Preston Williams over at Miami. Um, you know, he was Devontae Parker before Devontae Parker became Devontae Parker last year. You keep his name out of your mouth. Um, <laughs> well, Preston Williams, you know, he was a rookie wide receiver last year. Um, he was undrafted free agent. He had a lot of off the field trouble, uh, signs a free agent deal with Miami, um, immediately starts building rapport with uh, the quarterbacks over there and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, you know, his name was being brought up a lot in training camp. <clears throat> you know, he's a six, five receiver, two eighteen, And, you know, the first eight games he played going down, he had 32 receptions and 420 yards and three touchdowns. He was on a solid pace to be perhaps a, a Devontae Parker, but, you know, Preston Williams uh, goes down with a big injury. Uh, Devontae Parker stepped up and finally became Devontae Parker. He was supposed to be five years ago. Um, but uh, I think Preston Williams coming back and hopefully he can come back healthy with, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick or Tua Tagovailoa or whoever the hell's throwing the football over there, I think Preston Williams and Devontae Parker can certainly form a formidable one-two punch in Miami. You know, you know, I know Jordan Howard's there. I expect them to address running back uh, in the draft. And they also have, you know, a third-year third tight end from Penn State, and that's Mike Jacecki. And he certainly was coming on last season. So I, I, that's an offense that I think is, is on the way up. I, I like the way. 
you know, the coaches building the team, you know, he got people out of there who did not want to be a part of that team. He moved Laramie Tunsil and he just count moved countless people to bring his own people in. He gathered a lot of picks. They've got, I think a league high 13 picks in the draft this year. Uh, they held three draft picks in the first round. I, I would fully expect if they believe in Tua Tagovailoa for them to trade up and go get him because he's not going to be there at five. Um, you know, if if he lands in that situation, if not, um, you know, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is more than a formidable quarterback. He kind of reminds me of a maybe a poor man's Jameis Winston. You know, he's going to throw a lot of interceptions, but he's going to throw a lot of touchdowns. And he's going to throw a lot of passing yards. And if uh, Preston Williams can stay healthy along with Devontae Parker, I think that's a former one-two. Uh, I agree with everything you said. I think Devontae is going to demand the number one coverage for whatever that's worth as a Miami wide receiver. And you know, having a close, um, closely skilled, capable number two is the best benefit. Um, you know, I think the Dolphins are going to turn heads. I think they are, like you said, on the way up. I think they're going to there will be an improvement. And if it's Fitzpatrick or Tua. It doesn't matter to me. Um, I, from a fantasy standpoint, I wish it would be Fitzpatrick without the worry that he's going to get benched any week, uh, only because you know he gives his guys a shot. So uh, if he was healthy, he'd probably be higher, honestly. If he wouldn't have got banged up, um, if Devontae Parker wouldn't have really established themselves, uh, and, you know, so much uncertainty, you know, they're one of the, you know, like you said, Tua, they're one of the teams that are going to be most dramatically impacted based off of the draft, based off of who they bring in skill-wise. So, no, I, I was a big Preston Williams guy. I had Preston Williams last year. Um, it was fun while it lasted. Um, but so we don't make sure I don't miss anybody. I was making sure, you know, we don't skip. Um, you know, I have Tyrell Williams at 40, which we'll come back to. Um, but Christian Kirk, we talked about. I have him at 41. Um, you have him at 38, so we haven't talked about him. So we, I'll pick up there. Um, you know, I have Tyrell Williams. Uh, he's the number one in Oakland, and he was very capable when on the field. Uh, only Darren Waller and Renfro, who both are – they are probably, you know, as stereotypical with a number one wide receiver, a tight end, a real running back, you know, a little slot guy. Like, they just, like, check the boxes. Like, Gruden's building, you know, like your 1999 Madden's team. You know, so it's – uh I. I think there's going to be opportunity. I don't think that they're going to be some sort of, you know, gangbuster on defense. And I think, you know, we talked about a change in scenery. Like, I, I think that there's a ton of opportunity there with, that, you know, that Vegas, there's going to be height. Um, you know, it's – I think that you're – there's a lot of missing um, – there's a lot of missing potential on those guys. You know, if I erase my, you know, oh, but maybe can, you know, help you win a league – and now that's, you know, I took stills off. I kind of put Tyrell Williams, Crowder, Marvin Jones, you know, good wide receivers in good situations. And, you know, he fell off on the back end of the year. He got banged up. And, you know, it was tough to really recover. But, you know, he scored, you know, his first five games he played, he scored. You know, it's – there is the – he is the guy right now in an offense that needs guys. Now, I do think that that's going to get addressed in the draft. Um, I do think the Raiders offense is going to be able to improve having another year under the scheme, you know, knock on wood, if you're with me, but it's opportunity, opportunity, volume, and more opportunity. And it's everything you want in a wide receiver potential. And somebody is not going to demand any sort of double coverage because Darren Waller is a threat. Renfro is a threat. Josh Jacobs is a threat. Um, and the Raiders played much better football then they got credit for it. They were in a lot of games. They won probably more than anybody thought they would against teams they probably never thought they would have a shot. Um, so I just I, I think that there's a whole lot of quality um, equity in some of these later guys. You know, and Gruden started bringing in some uh, some more pieces for that offensive line. He's you know he brought in some some good pieces and he's improving that line. I, I do expect. Uh, Gruden and the Raiders to address wide receiver in the draft. I think a total Raiders pick would be someone like a C.D. Lamb out of Oklahoma. He kind of fits that Raiders mindset of you know big deep uh, big play speed, and that's certainly C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma. And I think that's um, a per and I think that's perfect. I do again. You're building your 99 Madden team. You want a guy that wants to do a little bit of everything. That Tyrell Williams is in his natural position with 
not being the speed guy, not having to be the deep guy, not having to be the big body number one, but being able to be that Denver Emmanuel Sanders, kind of what you, you know, how you described Emmanuel Sanders in New Orleans, like that is that natural fit that is going to have some high opportunity uh, touches and targets. Yeah. Yeah. I will say this. Yeah. I'm, I look on our list, you know, we're, we're, we're in the forties now, you know, and there's one person on this list who I think is probably one of the most disrespected wide receiver twos in, in football. Um, I, I even disrespect him because he's just not someone, he's not a flashy name, but he always seems to have good seasons when, especially when he stays on the field uh, and that's Marvin Jones. You've got him ranked at 47. I've got him at 42. You know, uh, that's that you, you told me a couple of podcasts ago with Odell Beckham, and Marvin Jones and the touchdowns over the same stretch just blew my mind. And when I really think about it, you know, Marvin Jones is just kind of you know a person who's there that a whole lot of people don't think about. There's always other names that people are reaching for because Marvin Jones just isn't a flashy name. He doesn't play in a flashy offense. You know, he's got Matt Stafford at quarterback. And, you know, he's just not someone that people think about. But really and truly, you know, he's really had some, some big seasons. He, he had double-digit touchdowns last season. Uh, you know, with you know some garbage-ass quarterbacks throwing the football after Matt Stafford went down, uh, I really think he's someone who could definitely sneak into that wide receiver three potential of Stafford stays. No, I, because, I mean you got Kenny Galladay opposite him again. That's almost a, a, a direct equivalent to what we were just talking about the Raiders. You know, you have you know the real the true running back. You got Hawkinson looking to make the next step. You got Kenny Galladay who would be in that rookie role, and then you have Marvin Jones and Tyrell Williams equivalent to each other, a veteran probably right at the middle of, you know, right below the middle of the range quarterback, if, you know, league average talent wise. And what is it? Amendola versus Renfro. Like it's, it's kind of what, what, and Marvin Jones has been consistent his whole career um, when he's been able to be healthy and when he has a quarterback and, you know, now he had nine touchdowns last year. He did have four in one game. So that definitely skews it a wee bit. (laughs) However, you know, he still had multiple touchdown weeks. Uh, He's going to see a volume. Amendola is a check the box guy. He doesn't even, he's not going to absorb or threaten targets like even Renfro is going to do because Renfro is on the way up. Amendola is just a car, Patriots car wash guy. So it's, uh, he, you could argue going into last year, you know, everybody knew the upside. The Galladay's going up, Marvin Jones' career arc's going down, and that's a natural progression. And they're not Roddy White, Julio Jones necessarily, but. There is that benefit for being that veteran receiver, being still fully capable of contributing and having the benefit of having somebody like Kenny Galladay across the field from you. So I, I completely with you. Um, like I said, I had him, Stills, Crowder, and I would switch Tyrell with Stills because of the Cooks trade. Like those are three guys that uh, some of those guys are going to be on my team at some point. You know, I think Emmanuel Sanders is probably that guy for you, but these guys. Um, are you know veteran guys that aren't sexy, and I think with wide receiver, just a, a my mentality for drafting, um, non-sexy wide receivers can help you win a league. Like these veteran guys, non-sexy running backs, I think cost you leagues. Like when you look at the end of the season, you're like, oh well, you know, Le'Veon or who, you know, Adrian Peterson was a top twenty running back. We have well, you know, fuck you. He played sixteen games, and every, you know, ten running backs got hurt. So. He was really 30th in points per game in quality, but he played and he, you know, accumulated stats. Wide receivers are much closer in that regard. When you look at points per game, there's like 30 that are within like two points per game of each other, you know? So these guys, and that's why wide receiver goes deeper on quality and running backs, you know, you want to find that the real upside guys, but I can – I will go big on running back early or maybe reach for a tight end. And I know that these are going to be safety nets wide receivers where people tend to do the opposite. You know, they go wide receiver, wide receiver. And immediately in their draft, they're like, oh, number three. Well, now I got to go running back. I need a running back. And then they go running back, running back, running back. And it's fucking Peyton Barber last year. Or I'm going to get Rashad Penny. And, you know, I'm going to get all these guys that are just like, okay, technically they are running backs and they are breathing and they're on the football field. But that's not going to help you win a week. These non-sexy wide receivers are not going to, only going to not cost you a week, but they could help you, you know, contribute to win if you're following my mindset. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that as far as like a, a draft strategy. You know, and that's definitely you know, a podcast show we'll explore here in the future. Um, but I definitely think 
this is going to be one of those years. And I am not someone who's a running back, running back guy, you know, in the first, second round, much less even a running back, wide receiver, running back tandem. I'm usually more running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, or some type of regard like that in the first three rounds. Um, but I think this year with seeing wide receiver being so deep and even past 50, I, I think it's, it's deep. I think you can go down to 70 where you can have some names that, you know, will pop up on that wide receiver three list, you know, at the end of a Sunday or a Monday night. But I think this is going to be the year where you'll see running backs kind of go hot and heavy early because they definitely tend to drop off a lot quicker. Right. Than and literally year. they drop off during the season because they're getting hit every play. So, you know, there you expect, you know, it's, it, you go for those big running backs because you hope they stay healthy and the upside they offer if they're on the field. But you also, it, you absorb the risk of them not being uh, around throughout the season. You know, wide receivers, unless I draft them, tend to live longer and not get their knees torn up. Now, you know, the year I go Randy Moss T.O., they both get hurt. Or what, that was the year that uh, Brady got hurt. And uh, T.O. got hurt. And I'm like, wow, I'm glad I went freaking, you know, 12, 13 turn wide receiver, wide receiver, <laughs> the, you know, the year after they both had fucking career years. So long as I don't touch them, they're going to be fine. But it's uh, I definitely I, I'm when we were doing our rankings, that was one of my things that I saw. I, same as you. Um, I'll probably, you know, I'm not going to say with all definite because the draft, you know, 11 running backs go in front of me and Michael Thomas is sitting there. Well, that's a different story altogether. But um sure i definitely can see as a theme on these redraft leagues like i'm gonna load up on high and quality which high and quality running backs which i haven't i mean last year in um my redraft league that you know that the my home league that means the most to me you know i went hopkins first and you know i ended up winning it and it but it, it didn't hurt me but i also passed up on dalvin cook um obviously some of that is hindsight 2020 but regardless of how the end results are the way I ended up building my team, I felt good about it from a wide receiver, but going into it this year, my complete mindset is different. Like I would take the chance on cook or Chubb because you got to go back to last year. Like, okay, cook's been hurt every year. Hunt's there. What's the Browns going to be? What's Chubb going to be? He's going to be splitting stuff, which ended up being true. And this year, I think again, a jury's still out. we got a long way to go until we start drafting, but that's where I'm like, you know what? I'm going running back heavy. If it fits and I'm not reaching, you know, like I said, I don't want I, I don't want a plotter. I don't want Jordan Howard as my, you know, RB2 because he's a healthy running back. Like, I think Jordan Howard plays 16 games, and I don't think Jordan Howard ever wins you a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. You know, we'll, we'll be talking more about draft strategy on, on the future podcast. You know, the draft's two weeks away. Uh, we're just finishing up our, our our top 50 wide receivers. Obviously, you know, a lot of this stuff's going to change. You know, talking about draft strategy right. after the draft coming up. It'll be interesting to see. Um, uh, but coming up on Monday, we'll be breaking down our top uh, tight ends. Uh, it'll be interesting to see because, you know, I know we got some interesting names to talk about. But uh, we'll see what happens when it comes when it comes down to it. But, uh, guys, we appreciate y'all listening. Uh, thanks for uh, giving us a chance. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter at Fantasy Pandemic, and I uh, hope you guys. Knowledge have a good is night. power, people. Listen to the pandemic. <laughs>